Uh, our reading for today is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. It's from chapter 12. And in that chapter, Luke recounts the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Here ends the reading. Wasn't expecting that to happen. Okay, think, I think we're all right. Thank you, Derek, for that um, for that reading. Um, so we're going to look today at uh, this parable that Jesus told, and I know you've been working through uh, the various different gospel readings uh, for uh, allocated for each Sunday. So this is the gospel reading for for this Sunday, the parable of the rich fool. But before we get into this, uh, let's uh, just open in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your presence amongst us. And Lord, as we look at your word together, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to inspire our hearts, to speak into our minds, to show us what you want us to hear from this message today, the, the message that you want us to take away and live out. So Lord, we welcome you here, and we ask you to work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So... Last uh, weekend, I took uh, two of my daughters to the Ulster Museum. Uh, it's one of our favorite places to visit. It's a great uh, place to go on a wet day, and uh, even better, it's free. Uh, so it's a great place to go over the summer. It's somewhere we've been loads and loads of times. I'm sure many of you have visited the Ulster Museum as well. And there's one particular exhibit that whenever we're there, we always make a beeline to this particular exhibit. Sometimes we just go straight to the lift, and go straight up to see it. We don't even bother with the other things. There's, there's whole areas of the museum that we've probably never seen, but there's the one thing that we always go and see whenever we're at the museum. Some of you who have been there yourselves maybe have a little inkling what it might be. You can see on the next slide, it's the mummy. 
It's Takabuti, um, is the name of the mummy in the always go and have a look at the mummy. There's something fascinating about Egyptian mummies. And years ago, my wife and I visited Egypt, and we went to the Valley of the Kings. And the Valley of the Kings is uh, where a lot of the pharaohs were buried. And so there's tombs cut out into the rocks, um, and you can, uh, uh, you can go into those tombs and see all the hieroglyphics that have, that have been painted there. Um, and the mummies are all in uh, a museum somewhere else. But one of the most famous mummies that was discovered there in the Valley of the Kings was Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun was particularly famous because uh, a lot of the tombs had been looted um, before uh, they were discovered. But Tutankhamun's tomb was not um, broken into. Nothing had been stolen from it. And so when Howard Carter, who was the explorer who discovered it, when he found it um, and excavated it, all of these treasures were buried with the mummy of Tutankhamun. And this is what he found when he went into um, Tutankhamun's tomb. Six chariots, two thrones, 30 jars of wine, 139 ebony, ivory, silver, and gold walking sticks, bracelets, amulets, pendants, rings, perfume, gilded statues, lamps, ornaments, and a solid gold coffin. All the riches and treasures that he had amassed during his life. And you see, the reason the Egyptians buried these things with the pharaohs is because they believed that these things would be of use to them in the afterlife, that they could take all of these riches and these treasures with them and use them in the afterlife. Now, the evidence that they were wrong is in the museums on display all around the world because you can't take it with you. We know that saying, you can't take it with you. Psalm 49 verse 16 says this, do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. And the main character in Jesus' parable, the rich fool, as he's known, finds this out for himself, but he discovers it too late. Jesus tells this parable in response to a request. He's, he's there in, in this uh, uh, area with crowd gathered around him, preaching to them and preaching to his disciples. And suddenly in the middle of his sermon, a guy in the crowd interrupts and shouts out, here, Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Jesus is mid-sermon, interrupted by this man. But he doesn't get drawn into this family dispute. See, Jesus sees that there's something else at work here. He sees that there's something else going on in this heart in the heart of this man. It's not that he wants Jesus' guidance. He wants Jesus just to take his side. There's plenty of guidance already available to this man because the law is already very, very clear on how inheritance should be shared between brothers. The, the Jewish law was all there. So he shouldn't really need Jesus to um, judge his case. But Jesus sees that at the heart of this request is greed. The man is not happy with what he's entitled to. He wants more. He has a desire for more, even if it means the breakdown of the relationship with his brother. He wants more. And Jesus takes greed really, really seriously. We see that's the first thing that we notice from this. I think that greed is a sin that we often see in the world around us and that our culture really tolerates. It's something that's even celebrated. Adverts on the TV tell us all the time that it's right to want more. 
that it's good to want more, that we should be ambitious and desire more, bigger, better, more stuff than our neighbor has. We should want to get rich, to live the good life. That's the dream. That's what we're all working for. It's encouraged by our culture rather than being viewed as a dangerous thing. But Jesus sees it as a dangerous thing. Greed is dangerous because the desire for earthly riches can so easily take the place of our desire for God. And so Jesus says to the crowd, watch out, watch out, beware, be alert, be on your guard against covetousness, against greed. Jesus really takes this seriously. He wants them to to look up, to be careful of this. Now, have you ever walked along the street and you've seen someone coming towards you and they're just staring down at their mobile phone? And as they come closer to you, you start to think, they don't even see that I'm here. I think they're going to walk right into me and you have to move out the way because they're so busy looking at their mobile phone. See, the danger with greed is that we're so busy looking down at the things of this world into the world of our phone or the world of of the things uh, that we have that we don't notice the bigger world outside. We don't notice the biggest perspective, the bigger picture that God wants us to see. And so we can be in danger of missing out on the much better, more abundant blessing that God has for us because we're so busy chasing after the world's treasure. And Jesus wants to get their attention He says, watch out, look up, look where you're going. Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions, is what Jesus says. Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, it's not that God doesn't want us to enjoy the good things, the good blessings that he's given to us, but he just doesn't want us to miss out on the better things. He doesn't want us to miss out on the best things. See, sometimes we're so busy filling ourselves with the scraps that this world gives us, that we forget about the banquet that God has for us in heaven, that God has laid a table for us. That Have you ever been um, and you go to the reception, and as you look around that room, somewhere in that room is a table with your name on it. And there's a seat there ready for you and a meal prepared. And that's like, like heaven. Jesus tells us that there's a, a place for us that there is a place reserved for us. Our name is there at the banquet. God has a feast. But sometimes we can be so busy feeding on the scraps that this earth gives us that we miss out on that banquet. We miss out on that banquet. It's like somebody feeding from the bins around the back of a restaurant when actually in there, inside the restaurant, is a table with a Michelin star chef ready to cook for us and the bill's already been paid. God has paid for us. That place is reserved for us. Don't miss it. Don't miss out because we're so focused on the things of this world. If our gaze is focused on the things of this world, our possessions, a big house, a nice car, a good job, plenty of money, we're in danger of missing that big picture. And that's why greed is so dangerous. And that's why Jesus wants to warn us, watch out, watch out for that greed that so easily gets a hold of our lives. And that's the problem with the rich fool. He's so wrapped up in the things of this life that he doesn't notice the spiritual. 
He doesn't notice the eternal dimension to life. He doesn't notice that there's a God who wants a relationship with him. There's something much better. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. But also when we read this parable, we can sometimes look at what the rich fool does and think, well, surely is that not just wise, prudent financial planning? He's making sensible plans for his future. But Jesus tells us that God's assessment of the man is much more stark. God says, you fool, you fool. And if God calls someone a fool, we'd better uh, try and work out why that is so we don't make the same mistake. That word fool is actually translated uh, from the Greek word aphron. Aphron, and it means without perspective. It means somebody who's short-sighted. And I know a little thing or two about being short-sighted. My eyesight is so bad that when I go to the hairdressers, I have to take off my glasses so they can cut my hair. And at the end of the haircut, they say to me, well, what do you think? And I have to say to them, I've no idea. I've no idea what you've done because I can't even see my own face in the mirror. That's how bad my eyesight is. I've no idea what they've done to me. Maybe that explains a few things. But the rich fool is like this. He's short-sighted. He only sees what's right in front of his face. So why is he short-sighted? Well, firstly, he doesn't acknowledge the source of his riches. Jesus clearly says the ground has yielded an abundant harvest. And who was it who created the ground? Who was it who sends the rain? Who created the seed that the farmer plants? Who was it who gave the farmer breath in his lungs and strength in his muscles to work the land? You see, God has provided for him, but he doesn't see it that way. We read in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above. But the farmer doesn't acknowledge the Lord's hand in um, in his good fortune. He says, I have no place to store my crops. He just sees it as his uh, well-deserved reward. He doesn't recognize God's hand at work. And so he has no motivation to share what he has. Jesus tells us that he has a surplus of grain. But his first thought is not, how do I bless others with this surplus, with this extra that I don't need? His first thought, his instinct is, how can I store this up and make sure that no one else gets their hands on it? How can I store it up for myself and for my future? Gratitude, when we recognize God's hand at work, leads to generosity. When we recognize what we have as a gift from God, we're motivated then to share with those in need around us. But the rich fool doesn't see it like that. Secondly, he's short-sighted because he doesn't see beyond this world. He's planning for a long retirement. His focus is on ensuring that he leads a comfortable life with enough grain to keep him going for many years. And at first that might sound like wise planning. And if this earth and this life was all we had, maybe it would be wise planning. But from God's perspective, it's short-sighted because God doesn't see just this life, this earth. God sees from an eternal perspective. He sees from before creation, before time, before we were made, before this earth was created. And he sees the end. He sees after this world, the new heaven and the new earth. He sees the banquet that he has prepared for us in heaven. He sees our lives in the context of an eternal perspective. 
But the rich fool is short-sighted. He just sees the here and the now. He focuses on the temporary earthly things, but doesn't consider the fact that as Jesus tells us, he doesn't have much time left to enjoy those temporary earthly things. Because that very night, Jesus says, his soul is required of him. And all that grain that he stored up will be of no use. It will be of no use to him whatsoever because he can't take it with him. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus says, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? This rich fool is well prepared for a long life, but he hasn't taken care of his soul. He's not ready for eternity. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The rich man, the rich fool, has his eyes fixed only on what is visible, what is right in front of his face, the temporary things of earth, and not the eternal blessings that God has for him. He's missing out on what's so much better. What about us? What about our souls? If we heard those words spoken about us today, this night, your very life will be demanded of you. Would we be ready? Would we be ready for that call to come home to Jesus? Because our souls are precious to God. They were redeemed at great cost. Jesus went to the cross so that we would have that assurance of a place in heaven. So don't put it off until tomorrow. The rich man assumed he had more time, much more time. But make sure your soul is ready. Make sure you've made preparation for your soul. The Apostle Paul says this in, the, in the, his letter to the Philippians. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was a man who was ready. He had made preparation for his soul. He was ready for a long life. And if he was to continue living in this body, he was going to serve Christ. He was going to live for Christ. He was going to worship God. He was going to give everything he had to, to share the love of God with as many people as he could. He was going to live. He was ready to live a long life. But equally, he knew that if his time was come, if his soul was required of him, he was ready to go because he knew there was a banquet waiting for him in heaven. He knew that to live is Christ and to die is gain. What about me? What about you? And Jesus sums up the parable with these words. This is how it will be with everyone who stores up for themselves but is not rich towards God. So Jesus tells us rather than storing up these scraps on earth for ourselves, we, we should be rich towards God. And that word for rich means abounding in. So what does it mean to be abounding towards God, to give him the abundance of ourselves, not just the dregs, not just the afterthought, but doing everything we do with an awareness of this eternal perspective, this banquet laid up for us in heaven? Are we rich towards God in the way we live our day-to-day -day lives? Is he our treasure? Because all these things that the world offers us are not necessarily bad, but they're just not enough. They're not enough. They don't satisfy. There's more to life than the abundance of possessions. So let's lift up our gaze and focus on God and on the eternal things laid up for us.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this story you told, this parable, for all that it teaches us, all we can learn from it. Lord God, we thank you for your warning to not miss out on these wonderful things that you have in store for us, for a life lived with an eternal perspective, serving you, having a relationship with you. And Lord Jesus, I pray that um, for each one of us today, uh, we would remember that message and, and that we would uh, want to live our lives serving you, storing up treasures in heaven rather than storing up treasures on earth that will fade away. So Lord God, will you just come and remind us and restore in us that passion to serve you and to live for you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.